Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Dr. Janine Janot is an academic coach and author of The Disintegrating Student, Struggling But Smart, Falling Apart, and How to Turn It Around. Now, she has over 25 years of experience working with children, teens, and young adults in both public and private school settings. And back in 2014, she founded The Balanced Student, which offers customized academic coaching for middle school, high school, and college students. And of course, along with that, the parents too, right? Because there's so much a piece of the puzzle. So she's got a ton of uh, knowledge and experience to draw from. She also has a master's degree in school psychology from Ohio State University and a doctorate in child and development psychology from the University of Connecticut. So today, we're really going to explore this whole notion of a, dis- a disintegrating student, right? The students who they hit a wall and they fall apart, whether it's academically and emotionally, and, and really how to, how to help them get back on track. And I'm sure we'll also dive into all kinds of things, pretty much anything, you know, parenting, tweens, teens, and young adults might involve, especially with me having three teens myself. So really looking forward to this conversation today. So Janine, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Jerry. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, it's a delight to have you. You Clearly, you have a a real passion for people, for parents like myself who uh, are sort of going through these these teen years. Tell tell me a little bit about uh, your family. Absolutely. I do have a passion and I'm, you know, just coming off those challenging years of teenagers. So my three children, my my oldest is 25 and I have a 23-year-old and uh, an 18-year-old who just graduated high school last year and is off to college. So I definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still very, very close um, to my heart, you know, helping our you know, middle school, high school and college students. Right. Yeah. They got they... They get to be the, the trial run and out and I can help us uh, learn from all your experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of curious, you know, in, in this state age right now in, in 2021, what are you seeing happening out there with, uh, with students and parents? What are some of the, the trends or patterns you're noticing? So the biggest um, thing I've noticed, particularly since this school year began, um, we, I think we all have, were very optimistic about what school would look like this year at coming off of last year with so much remote learning and, you know, just the challenges that were associated with schooling last year and education in general and mental health. You know, I think we were very optimistic that this was almost back to normal. And what has really surprised me is how the students have not transitioned as cleanly back into quote unquote normal as we anticipated that they would. So I'm finding students very, what's the right word? Disoriented. Mm. 
as students this year. It's like something happened last year and a lot of stuff happened last year. Motivation was at an all time low. Mm -hmm. Our students were really struggling, incredible levels of burnout. I don't care what their situation was. It was just a challenging year, but they didn't transition cleanly into this year. And unfortunately, what I'm hearing from the students is school went back to normal. So schools, uh, you know, I think there's been a, a lot of well-intentioned talk about social emotional learning and supporting students, meeting them where they are, you know, prioritizing their mental wellness. And I believe that was the intent, but really what's happened is the schools have tended to double down on, we need to get back to the way things were. And last year, there were a lot of exceptions, a lot of opportunities to retake things, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of forgiveness as there should have been. And I feel like there's almost an overcorrection hmm. this first semester this year. And that's really, it's made it very challenging for our students to get back up on their feet. Yeah. So, it's, so it sounds like it's kind of been this, this expectation from a, from a school administrative side that, you know, we can just kind of resume life as, as normal, quote unquote, whatever normal is. And, you know, these pre-pandemic, but, but students just, they're, they're, they're not there in a lot of ways, mentally, emotionally. And, and so that's causing a lot more struggle and stress. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so given that, I guess, what do you, what do you think uh, you need to do to try to fill that gap then as you try to make the shift back to quote unquote normal? What, uh, what do we need to be doing? Well, I think this is all stemming from the achievement culture that we're in, the high pressure, high stakes achievement culture. So if you think about what's happening, every, this is, you know, our education system is very top down as far as, you know, overall, we have this idea of what success means in our culture and what it means today and what it has been you know, meaning for decades now is it the success is driven by data points. Mm -hmm. So it's measured in GPAs, you know, grades, SAT, ACT scores down here, you know, just checking the box, getting the things that gets you to the next thing. And for a lot of our students, that's getting through high school with a GPA and, you know, standardized test scores that get them into college X. And college X is going to get me to job Y. And that's pretty much the trajectory. And that's how our kids are approaching school. And that's how it, the educators are putting school out there. And that's what the colleges are expecting. And that's what the job market has been looking at. The problem is it's all kind of backfiring because um, we're all responding to this, but we're we're not churning out the, the type of workers in the workplace who are bringing the, the skill set that is actually needed to deal with as much uncertainty as we have. You know, all the things that, you know, I think a lot of employers are looking for. They, they need people who can deal with, be flexible in their thinking, deal with unexpected things, deal with the many, many unknowns. I mean, if you just think of the last almost two years, how businesses have had to you know, really think on their feet about, wow, how do we do business now? If you're a check the box kind of thinker and waiting to be told what to do, that doesn't translate well. So I feel like what's happening is we're all responding to this achievement culture. Parents are parenting in a way that is, you know, 
Have you, you know, are you, what's your GPA? Did you get an A on that test? Have you filled out this application? Are you doing right? Just this, checking off the boxes. Right. Yeah. Which checking off and we're super stressed about it because we don't want the negative consequence of you're not going to get into this college that you want to go to. And the students are responding to what, you know, the teachers, their schools are telling them you need to do all these things. The colleges are giving them that that information as well. The parents are on them and we're all kind of responding to the achievement culture. And the problem is it's stressing us all out. And I don't think we're getting what we hope for because our students are by and large, they don't really love learning because they're not doing a lot of learning. But, it's yeah. a lot of checking the box. I was going to say it's, it's what they're not, what they're not enjoying is school as <laughs> versus Right. Learning. Yeah. Like it's the, the process. Right. And yeah, I, I think, I think it's really great what you're talking about in the sense that, you know, this, this desire, this strong push to kind of get back to the way things are is, is in some ways a reflection of, of the fact that it doesn't work. Right. Especially in, in, in a world right now where there is so much uncertainty and, and there's the need to be adaptable and so on. And yet they're trying, as you're observing and finding, they're trying to squeeze out all that unpredictability and, and unknowns and try to create something that's familiar and, and known again. And that just doesn't fly any anymore. So, you know, and that's obviously, that's not something, you know, as we as parents or students can, can change. I mean, obviously you could look at alternatives and certainly on this podcast, you know, we've explored a lot of different you know, alternatives to kind of the traditional education model. And, and I certainly encourage parents who feel like, you know, what they're seeing for their, their families isn't, isn't serving them um, in, in a way that's helpful. But I think also, regardless of which which path you take um you know i'd love for us to explore a little bit more about uh the, you know what you what you call like a disintegrating student right someone who has kind of reached a point where kind of they've had they've gone past a point where they're just they're struggling to, to cope right whether it's i mean actually i'd love for you to rather than me trying to define a disintegrating student um since you wrote the book on it, uh, let's explore a little bit further what, what you mean by that and how you came about that yeah happy to so when I was teaching college, uh, I was teaching psychology courses and freshman seminar. At that time, I had and my youngest was in elementary school, my middle child was in middle school, my oldest was in high school, and there I was teaching college. Just after coming off teaching preschool, by the way, so wow, that's quite a shift. <laughs> I, had this, like, I know I had this incredible bird's eye view of what was happening to our kids in education. Because I, as I started teaching college, I was seeing these really like overwhelmed students who were lacking in so many basic skills and really, really struggling at that point. And they they were very bright. And I was also seeing this starting to happen in middle school and high school, and even in elementary school, some of the anxiety that was starting to happen around maybe second, third grade. And so I started helping my college students. And then I thought, you know what, I need to help other students. So I started coaching. And when I started doing the coaching where I was trying to give these these students, middle school, high school, college students, some skills, you know, just to... <laughs> get them running because they really were lacking. You know, even if parents had tried to help, they weren't really hearing it or internalizing it. So what, what was, that was working. Gina, I was just curious, oh, you know, what, what particular stood up for you in terms of like the, the skill, the essential skills in your mind that, that weren't showing up? Well, the skills that weren't showing up, and these are the ones that were contributing to students disintegrating, were time management, organization, study skills and study habits, their mindset around learning, and sleep screens and stress. All those areas were places where they needed support. 
surprised me when I started coaching was I kept seeing this type of client I did not expect to see. And it was these really bright, high achieving kids, oftentimes gifted, sometimes with ADHD, sometimes not, but just really capable kids who all the way through, you know, up until I saw them were these easygoing students who got very good grades very easily. So they didn't really study much and they got the good grades. They did their homework, you know, on the bus and in class. And then literally it feels like overnight, they just hit a wall, which I call the rigor tipping point. This point where there's so much rigor, which has been ticking downward in education. So our kids are experiencing more and more rigor at earlier, you know, grades. So around here, I'm in the Atlanta area. I know a lot of our middle schoolers are taking high school level classes. So they're starting to hit that rigor tipping point a lot faster. So by the time they're a freshman in high school, they could be taking sophomore and junior level classes, which is a lot Hmm. during that freshman year. So what I, what I saw in these students was you know, they did not have the skills. They had never needed good study skills or study habits. They didn't need a time management system. They, they just, they were smart enough. They could compensate until there was too much rigor, too many responsibilities. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm hearing from you, it kind of reminds me of my conversation with Kelsey Komorowski. We were talking about as well earlier, Mm -hmm. the two of you doing amazing, amazing work. And she, she would talk about how, yeah, how good grades could actually be, uh, a signal that there's there's something underneath that's that's not right, you know, because it's, there, it's just a system that they can easily work in. And I, I would, in a lot of ways, say I was one of those kids. I was I found the system worked really well for me, and so I got really good good grades. Um, not that I was horribly slacking, but but yeah, it's you can sort of get by in a system that's fairly predictable and and routine. But once you get out of that, oh my, yeah, that's you're in for a world of hurt and and hitting that wall, as you point out. Right. And the problem the and the disintegration comes from the fact that these kids have internalized being smart, being really bright kids. Mm. So they've been hearing it since they were itty bitty, two year old, you know, you're so smart. You did that so quickly. And they're getting this kind of um, reinforcement from probably all the adults in their life for years and years and years. So they internalize, I'm a smart kid. I might be the smartest kid or want to be the smartest kid. And so when they start to get that, even if it's inconsistent feedback of, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting a C on a test or getting a lot more Bs or whatever it is, that really threatens their self-esteem. And parents usually chime in at this point because they're like, what's going on? Why, why are you getting these grades? And the kid says, I don't know. And they're not lying. They really don't know. They don't understand what's happening. Mm. They're doing what they've always done, and it is not producing consistent results anymore for them. And typically what happens then, the parent and the the child kind of butt heads because they have different stories about what's happening. So the kid says, I don't know. The parent thinks, okay, you're just lazy. You know, you don't care anymore. You must not want to go to college And they also think the kid's in control of whatever's happening because the parent well-intentioned says, what do you need? Do I need to call the teacher for a meeting? Do we need to sit down with the teacher? Do you need a tutor? We're there to help, you know, and and our kid says, no, 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 I've got this. They never, they've never got this. I mean, whenever they say that, I'm always like, no, (laughs) you probably don't got this. But, But what's going on in their head is, first and foremost, they're very worried that they're no longer smart. So these kids highly identify with that. So they're starting to get this feedback that maybe they're not smart. 
Second, they start to worry that their parents are going to be disappointed in them because they truly believe, and I hear this all the time, that their parents care more about their grades than they do them, wow. which is never true. I know. It's not true, but I, I, they say it so much that I start to think, why is it you know, that all you guys think this? And even my own children have probably said this. And I think the reason they, they, they really do believe that we care more about their grades is because of the, if you think about the percentage of time we talk to our kids about their academics exactly. and yeah. school related stuff. It's just the weight of it is just like, okay, that's the thing you're always talking to me about. Clearly, this is what you care most about. So true. So I think that's really important for parents to kind of think about that it makes sense that our kids have that feeling. Our, our kids also are thinking that this is just happening to them. I mean, I can't tell you the number of kids I've sat in front of who are shocked when they find out, oh my goodness, no, no, no. I see you guys all the time. You're probably your best friend is, is feeling the same way. They don't because they feel so there's a lot of shame involved with you know these falling grades and things like that so they don't share um they don't ask for help because smart kids don't ask for help they don't really put in a lot of effort because they associate effort with like well that's what the kids who aren't smart have always had to do yeah all these all these stories yeah 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 so that's that's the problem and a lot of families find themselves in that situation and then the the good news is it's really about that student understanding what's going on and that it has nothing to do with their intelligence and everything to do with this set of skills or counterproductive behaviors that they're using or not using. Yeah, that's 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 so that's the exciting part, right? Is is fixable, it's treatable. Just with, with just the right the right attention on things. I mean, I, I gotta imagine you know, as you're working with all these these students and, and helping them to to rebound, you gotta be thinking, why the heck aren't we teaching some more of this stuff in the schools themselves, right? Just get right to the source and, and make this a part of learning. Learning is so much more than just the academics, and yet that's really all that seems to get the attention in schools. Right, and that goes back to the achievement culture. That's what's been we've we have built in. You know, all the all the math and science and the STEM, and we've we've again, kind of overcorrected and we've taken out so many of the things that make learning interesting and enjoyable. And, you know, that, you know, we want to graduate kids who are lifelong learners, like they're thirsty for knowledge, they're curious, and we are doing the exact opposite. We, you know, I, I see so many kids who just, they're biggest wish is just for it to be done. And they are checking the boxes all the time. And, you know, cheating is I've never seen cheating so widespread. And so is, you know, well accepted among students as it is right now. And that comes from this sort of checking the box kind of mentality that, you know, I need to get this grade any way possible. And there's also a lot of I hear students help other students a lot because they understand the pressure they're under. Mm -hmm. So if they have a friend whose parent's going to flip out if they, you know, don't get an A on this assignment or this project, a friend will definitely, they don't have an issue like helping with that because they want to help their friend not have that negative experience. So that's kind of a positive side of cheating, I guess, if we can find a positive side. But, you know, it just, it just harkens back to the fact that this is how our kids are approaching the learning process and it's not helping them you know, we really need to turn it around. Yeah. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen in my mind is kind of for that light 
to go out, you know, in, in kids. That's to me that, that that light of curiosity and and yeah, just a desire to learn. Wow, yeah, that's that's yeah, that is that's hard to hear. And you know, a big reason why I'm, I'm such an advocate for you know, I think for a lot of families, they feel like they're stuck with one option, and and really they're not. But it's it's often hard to explore and see what's what's out there. You know, and, and one of the great things about kind of we're in the time right now with the pandemic is like in the last couple of years, there's so many other learning options available out there, whether it's ranging from you know, one end of an unschooling to just different types of, of schools that you can attend, right? But yeah, I just encourage any parents and families who are listening out there right now is, is yeah, I don't feel like if your child is, yeah, if the life's being sucked out of them, I mean, there's options for you. And yeah, there's so many alternative options to you know, sort of the traditional public school route. And I, I do feel like the pandemic has opened that up in a bigger way where, you know, parents got a lot, they got a lot of insight into what was really happening oh, yeah. with their child's education <laughs> during the pandemic. It's like, oh, this is why you're so stressed out. Or they, you know, they were involved in the, you know, teaching and helping. Um, they realized, oh, this rigor is real. Um, so I, I, I think that, that was a actually a positive thing that came out of the pandemic where parents could really see a lot more of what was happening it was a lot more transparent to them. Yeah. And maybe considering that this achievement culture is not working for their kid, which, you know, it's not working for the majority of our kids. But I think that's one thing that parents are considering. It's like, okay, we're not going to define success this way. We're going to find a, a program for you where, you know, it's more project based, for example, or where grades are not the end all be all. It's more about mastery where independent learning is a thing. So we, as parents learned a lot about how our kids like to learn. Are they readers? Do they do videos? Well, do they, you know, did remote learning work for them? For some students, it did. For the majority, it did not. So I think we learned a lot more about, oh, it actually matters how our kids are yeah. being educated. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's okay to try things and it's okay to experiment yeah. and, and learn from that and fail, right? To me, fail is just a, a way of learning. So uh, <laughs> So, Jeannie, I, maybe we could touch on a, on a couple of things. So, what so what are some of the, so let's say you know someone listening out there right now is like, yeah, that that sounds a lot like you know, my kid. You know, he or she is is you know they've been doing well, but yeah, they're just they seem to be kind of struggling and 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 not getting the results that they used to get. What are, what are some of the things that parents should and shouldn't do to to try to support their kid? Well, I think, you know, trying to give our kids the skills they need is really important. But what I've found in my coaching is a lot of times the things I'm sharing with students, they've heard before from a teacher or their parents. So it's not news and they understand it and they could do it. And they actually acknowledge, yeah, it would probably help if I did do it. The problem is they don't. <laughs> oftentimes do it. And what I've come to realize is that has everything to do with their mindset. So how they're thinking about learning. And so many of these kids, actually, probably all of them come more with a fixed mindset. So Carol Dweck's fixed and growth mindset awesome concepts book, yeah. around, yeah, around learning, you know, students who have more of a fixed mindset tend to think I'm as smart as I'm going to be. And, you know, they, they bulk it being challenged because if they feel like they can't do it perfectly, you know, just do it at this high, high level. 
then it's not worth doing. They don't want to put effort in. They don't want to ask for help. They're going to compare downward. It's all about protecting their self-esteem and self-identity around being this smart kid. And I can't help a student actually engage in some of the skills and strategies they need to be successful once they start to disintegrate until I start pulling them away from that fixed mindset more into that growth mindset space where they're going to be willing to take some risks. They're going to be willing to make some mistakes and not see failure as just the end of the world. They're going to compare upward like, oh, you know, I may have gotten a C on this, but they got an A. What did they do? You know, so instead of like trying to make themselves feel better because so-and-so got lower than them, it's like, how do I aspire to what I see that's, you know, doing better than I am? How do I get there? So the, and the way I've been able to do this with students, so this is what I would sort of uh, suggest to parents is find a, find a place in their life where they they express more of that growth mindset. So usually that's around some sort of extracurricular activity, maybe a sport or their music or writing or debate team, Mm -hmm. but someplace where they're being coached. So they're getting some feedback. They're trying some things. They're making mistakes. They're they're challenging themselves. And when they can kind of understand that, oh yeah, I get how I think and feel and do around this thing. And then you say, okay, so is that how you're approaching school? And they're like, oh no, (laughs) not at all. Then at least they can kind of start understanding because they can tell you what a fixing growth mindset is, but they don't, they might not recognize it in themselves. So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing a parent can do is model it themselves. So I'm a former fixed mindset person and I was probably in my, I don't know, maybe late forties or so before I figured out, oh, I need to kind of pull myself over here into this growth mindset space. And what a difference that made in my life. I mean, I never would have written a book had I not done that or opened a business or even taught college. All those things came out of me thinking differently about my ability. Hmm. And so if we as adults can find places where we might be a little bit more over in that fixed mindset space and kind of live out loud in front of our kids and model it, that's incredibly powerful because they are absolutely watching us all the time. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And that's a, that's a common theme and something I'm really passionate about too, is what we do is is so much more impactful than what we say, you know, that's an experience that as as a parent too. Actually, one thing, one thing I I picked up recently, I started to do with one of my, uh, kids is, is even just talking about what's, you know, what's one thing that, uh, that you, you failed at today, right? Or like, like what, can we, what can we celebrate? Something you tried that didn't quite work out and, and kind of reduce the stigma around making mistakes. That is just part of life. I and it's, and that. it's actually good to do that. So I stole that from Dave Asprey, who's yeah. a former CEO of Bulletproof. So <laughs> that's wonderful. Sit around the table and be like, okay, it's a competition. Who made the biggest mistake today? Yeah. Come on, lay it out there. And yeah, we have to normalize making mistakes because it, at least in traditional education, our, it kind of becomes part of the culture that kids understand there is not a lot of room for mistakes. Every task is created equal and everything needs to be done at 100% at 100% of the time. And that's not real life. And if our kids, if we as parents protect our kids from making mistakes, which we well-intentioned, we kind of swoop in, we do that micromanaging kind of thing. We help when they don't want it or need it. And we send these kids off to college who the, the world is not as kind. 
and will not be swooping in to prevent them from making mistakes or clean up you know, the consequences for them. Yeah, exactly. And I see a lot of students really fall apart in that first year of college because it's very disconcerting <laughs> to all of a sudden for the first time, you have to deal with the consequences of what you do or don't do. Mm. And our kids would be much better served if they have that experience much, much earlier while they're at home with us. Yeah. So really what I'm taking from this is there's there's a lot we can do as parents just in creating the right environment, right? The right structure to, to support our kids in shifting that mindset because to, to get the skills you're talking about that are so important around time management and managing sleep and stress and all of those things, it won't, even though they know about these things, they're not really going to be motivated or believe that they can make them better until they shifted that, that mindset. So really everything comes back to creating and cultivating the right mindset. And as parents, that's then what we really need to be focusing on. First with ourselves, <laughs> getting our mindset in the right place, which I know you work with parents as well. Um, I, I think a lot of, probably the majority of the work needs to be with parents. And then, you know, and doing that with uh, with students as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, Janine, where, where could um, where could people find more about like, like a, your book and, and uh, maybe explore some ways that uh, they could, you know, say, they realize, hey, yeah, I could, I could use a Janine in, in her family life, you know, both for <laughs> me as a parent and, and uh, you know, just to be that that support for my my child who's, you know, going through this very challenging, extra challenging times in a world that still sometimes demands normalcy. So where, where can they reach out yeah. to you? Well, I I love connecting with people. I have a website, JanineJanot.com. So everything about book is on there. My coaching, all my social media links are there as well. I have some parent tip sheets on that website and people can sign up for, I do a monthly newsletter called Some Thoughts, which are whatever my thoughts are previous month about what, you know, all this stuff in this space, because I just think it's so important that parents don't feel alone because I, I think it's happening to all of us. And, you know, unless you have a really strong support system where you're talking about this, I think a lot of parents feel like, it's just their kids who are falling apart. And when your kid falls apart, your family falls apart. I mean, it's, we're, we're all in this together. So, I, you know, anything I can do to help parents feel like, you know, kind of normalize this, this struggle and hopefully provide some answers to get people on the bet, right path is just, that's all I care about. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that too. It's a good, good reminder that, yeah, we're, we're not alone. It's, this is stuff that a lot of us are all, all dealing with and just knowing that is is often a game changer so it is yeah thanks so much for being uh on the show today with me janine um i learned a lot been taking some notes being a parent of three teens myself and um thank you for the your gift to the world and and what you're doing to inspire encourage and equip you know the next generation to uh create a world we all want to live in well thank you for 